Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett, one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in the studio with the Reverend Dr. Adam Roberts. Hey, hey. Merry Christmas, Adam. Well, indeed. I mean, we're still in Advent. Happy but, Advent. But No, see, that's wrong. <laughs> I know. Meaning, Advent, meaning, meaningful Advent. Advent. Exactly. May you have a very morose and pensive advent leading into a merry christmas keep it in a minor key you know this is our last catechesis of the year we will be revisiting the podcast airwaves again at the beginning of january i believe it's going to be the week leading up to january the 15th so we wanted to end this 2022 with just some conversation about what this season means to us. Before we dive into that, if you'd like to hear other podcasts, go to lewisandbroad.org. That's our website, including our flagship production, the Lewis and Broad Podcast, season four, wrapped up a couple weeks ago. Feel free to catch up. We had some good ones. Also look at our social media and our website at Lewis and Broad. This podcast is brought to you unofficially by our good friends at Sour Patch Kids. Yes, Sour Patch blessed us today. We have multiple packets. Christmas has come early here to I, the Lewis and Broad and let, me, let me say this endorsement of Sour Patch Kids. Never in my entire lifetime would I have stood in front of a well-stocked, God bless America, candy aisle and said, I'm buying the Sour Patch Kids. Until... I experienced them here in the studio. And as James liked to say, likes to say, what is it? I put a put hurting on them, killed them. You dominated them. Dominated them. <laughs> we dominated <laughs> the Sour Patch Kids. You also came into the studio with a liquid death so energy drink J- and not a in, not Dr. Pepper. No, no, let's let's give liquid death its proper due. I'm sorry. So, so liquid death, uh, James and Layton have learned, is one of my uh, preferred beverages. Um, it comes in what looks like a tall boy can with gothic like motorcycle club lettering. And it has a skull image that looks like a bad tattoo melting, but it is sparkling water from the Alps. That's what it actually is. <laughs> There's no way that's not an energy drink. That is sparkling water. That is nothing but H2O with some CO2 in it. Okay. Well, you've also got a Diet Dr. Pepper. I do have a Diet Dr. Pepper stashed away inside the uh, suspicious-looking black. Uh, Yeah. What are you bringing into Lewis Abroad? We are sitting here with all the caffeine and sugar. I've already had two cups of coffee today. It is the most wonderful and potentially exhausting time of the year. We want to talk a little bit about what Christmas means to each one of us. Adam, why don't we start off with you, just some personal memories and traditions that you have in the the Roberts clan. You know, yeah, thinking about memories, I guess any of us could 
remember some fond childhood things that we were experiencing from that child's point of view at the time. We didn't even know it about ourselves. It was just who we were, you know, uh, full, full of wonder and delight. I think my favorite thing was not actually Christmas morning. It was usually Christmas Eve because the first nine years of my life, I guess, we lived close enough to my grandparents, either very close to them or within an hour drive or so, uh, that we would be part of the huge family gathering. So my uh, grandparents were World War II generation all the way, Depression era. Uh, My mom then had five brothers and sisters, and then I wound up with, golly, long run, I don't even know. I honestly can tell you, I mean, cousins 15, 16, and so on that side of the family. And so my grandmom and pop lived in a big old rambling country house that had been the schoolhouse he went to when he was a little boy. And uh, he, and long story, he and his brother bought it after the war. Uh, pop winds up with it and fixes it up and then built onto it, built onto it, built onto it. So like every decade there was an expansion and he was in construction. He was a home builder. Uh, so we'd be there, uh, incredible food, all the extended family. Uh, it was like Thanksgiving, but with presents. And so I always remember the tree that my grandma would put up in the huge living room. This thing was, it really was massive. And it seemed that way to me as a kid, huge fire going, uh, over in the big fireplace. Um, usually with wood, I had helped pop stock into the wood box (laughs) and that thing just covered up in presents because all the aunts and uncles would buy presents for all the kids. So I remember my aunt, the baby of the family, she would pass out those presents, and then it was like one, two, three, go, and everybody starts opening whoosh, whoosh, paper everywhere. Major dividing point for families, I think. Yes, one at a time. One at a time. Or one at a time. You got to do one at a time. I, man. I have you been. I've been converted to one at a time because but. it makes it last. <laughs> it does. Right. It does. I yeah. mean. Plus, it's all over. Boom. It does create the pressure, though, if somebody's going to watch whatever you bought for somebody. But, but hey, makes you got to go in confident. Makes you do good. You know, exactly. Go in confident with your purchase. <laughs> makes you do a good job. I agree with you, though. Christmas Eve, for me, is has almost been as magical, if not more, for me historically, just because the anticipation. Oh man! Uh, of the next day, of the next morning, what's going on? So I can remember being so excited as a little kid, just vibrating on that night. Oh my know? gosh! And and, and <laughs> you see them at church now that way, and it's so great. Oh, it's fantastic! And and even for me, I love the Christmas Eve worship service. I, I know that's cliche as a pastor to say, but but it's true to to light candles to sing Silent Night, and and especially I love that eleven o'clock going into midnight. When you when you leave, it's Christmas and and, and it's just yeah. it's just a, such a a perfect little time. Yes, and no, nobody has the point of view that the clergy person has on Christmas Eve. I mean, it is that it's one of those things as a pastor, and I I worked as a church pastor for I don't know nearly twenty years before uh, going to uh, the college, and nobody prepared me for they just couldn't the beautiful experience of Christmas Eve. Now, I'll tell you, for years, I would work so hard and run so crazy and let myself get so stressed, I'd be sick on Christmas. <laughs> I had multiple multiple ill Christmas Eves. Um, but once those services are underway, when the light 
passes through the people and the candles and Silent Night, the clergy person. Yeah, we get to see the gets their to face. see the whole thing. That's fantastic. We see the whole thing. We can see the whole congregation. And for me, it is the one moment in the year where true grace, I mean, the people I'd gotten tired of during the year, the people who'd gotten tired of me, uh, folks that I'd been trying to persuade into certain initiatives in the life of the church or whatever it might be. Uh, you just look at them in that moment, and you can see them with their full humanity, and it's just beautiful. And it is love, love, love. Really good. Yeah, we really have actually, good. we have people come up because we do a communion then as well. And we have people come up and it's fantastic or it, I don't even, that's not the word. It's powerful. It, it's a profound spiritual experience to see the folks from a, from a clerical perspective, to see the folks who come up to the table that Christmas Eve with everything, knowing so often knowing what they have been through, what these mm. people have been through right. in the previous year or years. Oh man. Yeah. And to come up that night and, and to take communion and go back to their seats and then have a candlelight, the glow of the candlelight kind of shining a bit on their faces as we, as we darken the sanctuary. It is, it is a thin space kind of <laughs> moment that kind of, it is. you know, that Celtic, it is. that's a, the veil between humanity and the divine is, seems <laughs> ultra know, thin. I'm actually, James, I'm goosebumping a little bit over here thinking about those Christmases because people, your pastors really do love you. <laughs> they really do. And uh, that's just, it's just a great moment. It is an image of something like an afterlife when you can imagine everybody gathered and all the silly stuff has fallen away, and now we're down to the stuff that really matters. Yeah. So, Christmas wonderful Eve, moment. man. Wonderful it's, moment. It's fantastic. Oh, and this year, this year you get church on Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> Pastors will love that one, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I will say this. Um, I'm excited, actually, about uh, Layton's over here, I believe, working on a uh, flyer for our what we're calling our cozy Christmas service here at Good job. First Press. But we actually have a baptism on Christmas morning, which wow. is going to be a lot of fun. But yes, I, it, I, I do think what you're getting at a little bit is, and I don't think this is just restricted to pastors. I think it's just part of the experience. Yeah. That kind of a, almost a love-hate relationship. The love being what you just described uh, about the, the holiness of that moment, especially on Christmas Eve. And there are holy moments throughout the season, really. But the hustle and bustle... Holy man, you, you talked about you work yourself sick. I, I get sick, I think, and I think people, it, it sounds like every Christmas there's just some sort of illness going around wherever I've lived, and it's because I think we run ourselves down so much. There is so much happening at Christmas time. There's a lot of noise, and it can tune out. Yeah, and it can tune out the sacred. Oh, yeah, it does uh, so easily. Yeah, even planning, Christmas, even planning, yeah, planning all those things and executing all those things and even fun things. So somehow uh, I've gotten better at this as I've gotten older, and Christmas for me has changed radically once I became a college chaplain. It's just a totally different experience that I right. try, try not to talk about too much with my church pastor friends. <laughs> slacker <laughs> yeah it's called sweatpants season for me it's uh about to be underway and we <laughs> do not like you for that time to get out all those nike sweatpants 
This podcast brought to you by <laughs> Nike sweatpants. Nike sweatpants. Hey, if it's not Nike, it's not sweatpants. <laughs> is that their tagline somewhere? That's, I made that up, but uh, it's good. You know, it works. Yeah, I mean, it is. Christmas is, it, it can be, the Christmas craze is real. And the commodification and the commercialization of it all. You know, here's something that I've really been thinking about. Obviously, the story of, of Christmas's commercialism is a tale often told. But here's what I feel like is a new entry into the holiday marketplace. Advent. Advent calendars are everywhere. Oh, yeah, that's true. My kids advent, have advent uh, calendars now. Yeah. And it's not like when they, I mean, they're fun. And they get you thinking about and recognizing the season of Advent, what it's all about. Or they can. But then... Now, every time my daughter opens a day on the advent calendar, there's like a little charm for a little charm bracelet. I mean, it, it, the, it, it, the synergy, and this is not a good thing, it's just what it is. The synergy between um, the, the, the marketplace and the holiday season, it's, it's so, there, there's, they, they, overlap too much uh, but there's it's it's there's nothing we can i don't think there's anything we can do about it it is what it is except name it for what it is and say look try to give people the time and the space to be still yeah decide personally what we want to do with it and uh and then yeah i mean uh, what a church a christian community can do is is create that sunday by sunday reflection the lighting of the advent wreath what a beautiful tradition that is. And to have a home Advent wreath, what a great thing that is. And um, But, yeah, no doubt, Aldi sells you like the uh, chocolate a day Advent calendar or something. I've heard. Just kidding. I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, I do mean, not have one. Yeah, ultimately, <laughs> I'll, I'll eat the chocolate. But, I, yeah, it's just really interesting how religion and, and, and capitalism and commercialism go yeah. hand in hand. Oh, hey, thinking of capitalism and commercialism. So a tradition that I have now. Uh, I don't know why I started this one year. It just seemed funny to me to buy a different t-shirt for each kid in our family and Holly's family. So her brother, she has one brother and they've got two kids. And so our three, so every year I started buying five t-shirts, very individualized for them when they were really young. And at least they act like for my sake, this is still something they hugely look forward to and i look forward to it massively so 50 to 100 bucks that's my christmas shopping well done <laughs> and it's very fun now i don't want to be scrooge i don't want to i mean we're the, these are struggles but there's again as we said earlier there is a lot of holiness a lot of wonder magic if you want to call it that to the season also want to acknowledge that this time of year, and I try to acknowledge this every year in worship, it's a very difficult time of year for so many people. You know, there's that empty chair that wasn't empty this time last year. Or, you know, all the things that we seem to take for granted, phrases like, it's a, this is a family-oriented holiday. Well, what happens if you don't have family? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just easy to miss the... Uh, the darkness that is present, and it's very appropriate that this is the literally the darkest time of the year 
for us up here, these uh, us uh, we northern hemisphere folk. But uh, it, it can be very very difficult. I don't want I don't want that to get lost. No, it's either. hard. So I'm coming up. You know, personally, uh, five days from today is the 11th anniversary of my mom's passing during Christmas time. And it affects me every year. Those anniversaries are big. Last year, the 10th one, I mean, that was really big. Yeah. Yeah. So, so everybody experiences that, no doubt. And not only that, I mean, look, other realities, we put pressure on ourselves often. I know I did when my kids were small, for sure, to create perfect memorable experiences. And I, I was saying earlier, like when it comes to putting lights outside, I didn't just put lights outside. I want to have the most lights outside and uh, uh, go Christmas vacation style with it <laughs> and on and on. And uh, when I was growing up, my family was, I'm going to get into unpacking all my uh, trauma. There's some back there. We did not have much money at all uh, for all kinds of reasons. And, as a little kid, I could feel the pressure of that and feel my parents feeling sad around Christmas time and not maybe going to be able to do what they thought they should do to somehow create a quote-unquote good Christmas. So I think that's another kind of sadness that can come in. We're never going to meet the idealistic standard of what some celebration of the holiday ought to be. So doing something significant, which is always going to be relationships, that's what matters. So for those of you for whom this is not a holly jolly holiday, we hear you. We Yeah. With you. We, us, us too. We don't want to miss that at all. Uh, but the meaning of, of the holiday, the meaning of Christmas, uh, in pre-production, you and I were talking a little bit about the actual Christmas text, list, uh, the Luke 2, the birth of Jesus. It's so interesting to me how, how many things we've added to the scripture that aren't actually in the scripture, like, you know, animals at, at the birth of Jesus. There's no mention of animals here at the birth of yeah, Jesus. Yeah, we get a barn with uh, sheep and I don't know what all, cows. Yeah. I mean, Wilson the dog is in studio <laughs> yeah. with us today. Yeah, Maybe Wilson's Wilson was in some, there. some scenes. And yeah, he's definitely in some scenes. I think there's ducks in some. Just kidding. I don't know what all. But that comes from one word in there, I think, which is manger. Yes, manger. Which I think if we take out some of the stuff, I mean, granted, all that stuff's wonderful. We have a Christmas pageant here in a couple of weeks. I love it. I love a pageant. I love kids dressed up and, you know, all the stories. Um, even, the, even the piece about Mary going from one end to the other, that's not in there. It just it literally says in verse 7 one phrase, because there was no place for them in the end, which... Reading of the commentary could also have been translated guest house. So hard, hard to say what it meant exactly. We don't really know exactly what that was about, but what we do know is this is that when Jesus was born, he was not born in the lap of luxury. He was born in a humble manger or whatever you want to call it, a stable. Uh, what, feeding trough it is. is what I like yeah, to say. Feed trough. Feed trough. And, and the thing about why would they use a feed trough, I, I never knew this until I got to see it. So uh, often, especially if the, if the home structure was built into an existing limestone sort of excavation, which often the homes were built into and built around those, um, they would cut rock-cut mangers into the area where the animals were going to stay. So what I think we really ought to picture 
is a big piece of limestone that's been hollowed down, hollowed out, and that's what the animals would eat out of. Here's the thing. If those caught the sunshine during the day, they'd be warm. And so that's why it's a natural place to wrap up a baby tight and put them there as a kind of uh, incredibly warm, safe space to put a baby. So all of you pageant folks need to be start carving out limestone <laughs> we, instead of the wood. <laughs> we, it's not close what we do for the pageants, but, but it, it is nice and pretty and meaningful. But the, the power of a pageant story and the power of this story is, again, it, it does get across the, the idea that Jesus was not born on a throne per se. He was, right. he was born in a seat of poverty. Far from the throne, as far as possible. And really the first people who get told this are impoverished, marginalized individuals, the shepherds. And I, I love that they're the ones who are chosen to, to come see him. And it really hadn't occurred to me, not just because shepherds were who they were and, and they weren't necessarily, we don't hear about these shepherds ever again. These are just people living in the fields. I mean, that again, not in the lap of luxury. But if you think about it, how many times in Scripture God or God's chosen people are referred to as some sort of shepherding type. David, for instance, shepherd. Amos was a uh, shepherd, I believe, in in uh, Tekoa. Um, and so these are, shepherds aren't just, you know, sheep herding individuals. They're also, they're symbolic for those who are, are playing a, an important role in the directing of God's people. So here we have these shepherds who literally go to see the good shepherd. I, I don't think that that was coincidental. Yeah, that. it's, really meaningful i think especially when i think of king david and we're highlighting in the story the the line of david the relationship to david he will sit on the throne of david mary was told talked about that last week david was out actively tending sheep when his brothers were being presented to samuel the prophet for the anointing uh, of the king samuel had come to his home and had to say, don't you have somebody else? This is, It's none of these guys. <laughs> Who else you got? Well, there's little David way out there with the sheep. So, yeah, it's, it's powerful in that sense. Yeah, it follows the theme that God tends to work from the margins again. That, that, that the manifestation of God's presence among us tends to work from the outside in rather than the inside out. Jesus literally is born on the periphery, on the on on the boundaries of civilization in a limestone, rock-hewn, or wooden, or whatever it is, uh, makeshift yeah. feed, cradle. Feed trough, man. Makeshift cradle, yeah. And and so, I, for me, the power of this story, and I know we have to wrap up here, the power of this story, again, for me, is that... So many folks at this time of year or in our culture who have been ostracized or marginalized, including by the church, this is also their story. This gives people who are on the outside looking in hope. If Jesus can come from there and, and make a difference in the life of the world, change the world, then maybe, maybe I can too. In fact, maybe I can relate to him, to it, his story. Yeah, that means that all people have great value in God's eyes, even especially those who have somehow been undervalued. 
So for all of you who feel that way, struggling, not sure where you stand, not sure what to think about yourself, this story is for you. And to all of our listeners, we wish you all an incredibly Merry Christmas. Yeah. Get to that Christmas Eve service. May you find (laughs) plenty of Sour Patch Kids (laughs) and Liquid Deaths (laughs) in your stockings. Oh, I would love a stocking full of Liquid Death. Yeah. Happy New Year as well. (laughs) We will talk to you at the beginning of January. As always, remember who and whose you are, whose we are. For producer-director Leighton Parker, my name is James Goodlett. Adam Roberts. Merry Christmas, everybody. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbrad.org. Until next week.